0: This is Josh. And Kevin. On this episode of The Filmmaker's Guide to the Industry, we have Stuart McLaughlin. He is the founder and producer at Greenland Entertainment. They are a BTS marketing and publicity company for the entertainment industry.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited with how the, the episode progresses. And, and for those that listen to the end, you're going to get a lot of really interesting information on the BTS aspect and how it's being utilized in today's... Um, filmmaking world
0: Well Stu Thanks for coming on the podcast with us today um, I've known you for quite some time We met each other in uh, College, different uh, film schools But met each other on you know Similar projects Why don't you kind of give everyone out there a, a taste of who you are Kind of where you've been, what you've done And, and what you're doing now Man, I appreciate you guys having me on uh,
2: Yeah We yeah, Josh and I, yeah, we've been in the film industry for a long time in one way or the other. That's where uh, that's where I started. Um, you know, writing and directing was you know my goal from you know high school, it's kind of always what I wanted to do. went into film school and you know, was kind of able to start working in the industry on uh, you know independent film, uh, did a lot of commercial work and, you know, ran a business, a video production business, you know, early 2000s. And, you know, kind of, it was more production services. And, you know, kind of how I saw my career and where I wanted to go. What I did was, you know, kind of ask myself, it's like, Oh, well, you know, if I'm, you know, shooting these things, it's like, why don't I direct them? But if I'm directing it, why don't I produce it? And if I'm producing these things, like, you know, why don't I start a business that? you know, is not just a production service. So I actually took this, I took this long road, uh, on, on a film path and, you know, it went onto the commercial and marketing side, uh, of things. And, you know, right now I am, uh, doing a couple different things in, in the marketing world. Um, you know, I've been doing a lot of online advertising, a lot of PPC stuff, uh, over the, you know, the past 10 years and, you know still have gone in and out of the entertainment industry not out directly but you know have have kept my foot in because that's you know ultimately where you know i'd like to spend most of my time but um yeah it's been kind of a long path kind of you know weaving in and out but you know i've been in the the marketing and promotion world for you know the past you know 10 12 years and you know when we formed greenlit uh, kind of getting back in. The, the goal was to use all those skills, those marketing uh, and promotion skills, and just kind of focus it on uh, the entertainment industry. So here we are. If that even, if that was even a a quality who I am and what I do.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, oh, well second.
1: Are you are you I'll hearing something? How's it say? Are you hearing yeah, something? Yeah, no, your- I
0: was getting. I'm going to come uh, Hello, Hello. Hello. Yeah, you. Hello. hello. No, it's not that I'm checking my re it's like, I'm getting some internal reverb here. Hello. Oh, hello. is that what it is? Here we go. Yeah.
1: Cause it's clean yeah. on my end. So, um, whatever you're potentially hearing. You no, know. it's
0: all, it's all here in the office. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I'll, I'll just pick up from there. Yeah, no, that's fine, man. Um, so you had the, you had the production company here in Tampa, um, and then you you started greenlit with me you know what kind of happened what kind of happened in the middle there because i mean me and you kind of weaved out of paths together along that road as well um so you know just kind of what got you to this point once you left tampa so
2: yeah leaving you know leaving tampa was about the time um and you know in the production world you know that i've been heavily involved in it's like there were a couple uh time pieces that you know really stand out our milestones and that was kind of the time when uh DSLRs were coming in and you know, the industry like from the early 2000s to mid 2000s to late 2000s was like a huge shift in the amount of content uh that was able to be produced just with like the fact that you know you can get that was when you know YouTube was starting. That was when HD TV, you know, were coming out. You know, you can get like a 1080p DSLR back in the day and shoot, you know, full HD footage. And you know, people were getting into the production game. You know, that you know didn't have any you know real experience, but they were coming in and they kind of you know threw everything for a loop that you know the traditional uh, production model. And so what we did, and so kind of what I did is I kind of took my experience in film and took my experience in the production world and, you know, applied it to marketing because that's when, you know, video marketing and online, uh, PPC stuff, you know, YouTube coming online to where companies, you know, really saw the value in that. And, you know, you could, the price model changed. It wasn't, you know, a huge production or a huge, uh, piece of overhead to come in and, you know, shoot videos that, you know, promoted your product and, you know, did well, told your story, the whole deal. So, you know, I kind of got in just from, uh, opportunity and kind of where I, you know, wanted to go in these things to basically add a little bit more value than just the traditional production model. So I moved up to New York. Um, I did a lot of, still did a lot of production work, um, a lot on the post side and so I stayed there and so it was a lot of um technology upgrades for companies you know that was when uh you know Adobe was really you know coming on strong with uh premiere traditionally it was like a final cut world you know for a couple of years before that for everyone I thought that was the world but you know done a lot of after effects done a lot of photoshop everything like that so uh, you know, tech stack is kind of a new word, but, you know, building uh, post-production studios, you know, tech stacks and, you know, the workflows and file workflows and kind of all that. And then I got a call from a buddy of ours, Brian, who Josh and I have known for a long time. And he was doing some work down in Tennessee and, uh, you know, for a, for a big trucking company down there. And he called me and was like, Hey man, you want to move to Tennessee? And, was kind of at a time in my life where I was like, yeah, absolutely. So (laughs) I packed up and went to Tennessee and, uh, we started an agency down there called shift creative group. And basically we were, um, we were a marketing agency, you know, specifically for the transportation industry. So we kind of leveraged, you know, our skills and the production world to, um, offered it to the transportation world. And, you know, we got some notoriety and kind of built, you know, a couple brands, uh, you know, to nationwide recognition, you know, using, I mean, it was, you know, full internal, you know, marketing and, you know, business sales development and everything like that. And, you know, I loved it. It well, was, uh, well, yeah, and it,
1: Sorry. Sorry. Didn't, go ahead. No, sorry. I didn't mean to, that you were finishing your thought there. I'm sorry. Um, with, with the, Transportation and production world, what kind of skill set overlapped there? Uh, it's, it seems quite different, but I mean, marketing in a you know, certain extent is marketing for marketing. What, what would you use on the production side of your skill set to translate over to marketing for transportation?
2: Um, the, the skills were, I mean, you know, started off video, you know, being able to put together, you know, quality commercials and like, you know, really nice photography for, uh, promotional material really helped us. Like that was the goal when we first started. And then it was like, uh, you know, getting into websites and upgrading their websites and then getting into these new, you know, like taking advantage of these, you know, the Google AdWords and the YouTube and, you know, these new platforms. Cause like, you know, this was a time when like, you know, Facebook pages and, you know, some of these new platforms were still being developed. They're not, you know, they weren't, um, you know, as common as they were back then. And so doing that and figuring out how to strategically target, uh, you know, our audience there, you know, specifically in the transportation industry, and really kind of dig that up was kind of the, the kind of the, it brought me into the next level of, um, you know, my marketing career and my, you know, promotional career. And, you know, as as I learned these tools and became more familiar with them, you know, and always being able to kind of go back and weave my you know production skills in there, um, you know, you can kind of take out some variables and and switch them out with others. So, you know, that was kind of the early form of Greenlit. Um, you know, Josh and I would talk and we'd catch up and you know those kind of things kind of laid the the groundwork for Greenlit. You know, a couple of years later.
0: Yeah. And then, so from there, yeah, you went, you know, if I got this right, you go from shift creative and then you go to TRA with, with Ken and those guys up in Boston, correct?
2: Yeah. So yeah, the company Fitzgerald who, you know, we were, um, who one of our clients actually bought the, they absorbed shift creative and brought us internal. So I worked with them for a few years uh, as their marketing manager, um, Fitzgerald USA, Fitzgerald Peterbilt, um you know a couple of these large companies or uh, large companies underneath the um the main company and you know these guys were you know they were rock stars in the transportation industry we had kind of built their brand up as just this kind of badass you know classic back to the basics truck that they built and um you know, we were able to try and test and, you know, really leverage a lot of the new tools that were coming online back then. So very thankful that, um, you know, I was, I was there and, you know, got to do it. And I gained a whole ton of experience by, you know, we just, you know, research and try things and, you know, figured out, and you know, what worked, what didn't. And, um, yeah, from there, uh, I moved back up to New York a couple of years ago and yeah, began working with the Riot Agency, who's a brand engagement and growth agency. So it's based on, again, kind of marketing basics, but it's focused on growth. You know, and the idea of growth for a company in any industry is, you know, internal workflows. You know, leveraging technology and uh, creative items to basically, you know, inbound, outbound, or to master your inbound, outbound strategies and. Yeah, I've been I've been with them for three years now, going on four years. So, yeah, it's been good. Um, You know, again, it's I've been fortunate because my desire to kind of get into and, you know, test and try and you know use and leverage new technologies and new services and everything like that. I've been able to do that, you know, really over the past decade. So, you know, it's kind of just, yeah, kept on going that way.
1: With, in regards to marketing, you've taken, you know, some risks. I mean, just packing up and heading down to Tennessee is, you know, it's fun, but it's a risk. Um, for, for those that are kind of looking to make a splash in their career, what, what were some of the stuff that you saw when you went to Tennessee, when you went to Riot Agency, when you started Greenlit, that you looked at and went, you know what, yes, this is a risk, but I'm kind of, I'm, I'm, I'm flattening that risk because of XYZ reason.
2: You you know, I would say, you know, do what you like, you know, do today what benefits you tomorrow. And so, you know, that kind of philosophy I've always, you know, really stuck by, um, you know, it may be a little risky, like you said, you know, doing it today, but, you know, I saw where all these things, you know, could help me and where I wanted them to help me in the future and where, you know, I wanted to go. And so, you know, that was my way of, you know, rationalizing and ultimately, you know, weighing pros and cons and making those decisions. I can't say that, you know, some of them weren't just like stick my foot in the ground and go. And, you know, I can't say that, you know, I wasn't uh, nervous at some times to make some of those big life changes. But, you know, it's it's do what you can today to help yourself. So, you know, that, that kind of always outweighed it. And, um, I'm never one to shy away from, you know, the highway. So I've, uh,
0: I never, I never minded packing up and, and getting going. Yeah. I mean, that's how we kind of got Greenlit off the ground was, you know, it was a big chance. It was just kind of a talk. And originally Greenlit was supposed to be something different than what it is nowadays. Um, but then it kind of like over time morphed for us into, you know, I was, had been what producer at shift and then I'd went to be a producer at white line in their, um, creative and video departments. And so I, but I still had my feet in the film industry and, you know, you had such a big marketing background, you know, kind of that story of why we created greenlit, you know, we kind of put those two things together. So that was a big chance for us. And it took a lot of, you know, I don't think it's really any different than anyone's film career. You know, it took a lot of chance, a lot of risk and, you know, hope that one day it kind of, it kind of pays off a little bit. Can you just explain uh, for the audience real quick what Greenlit does and why that's important to, you know, their film and their, their film's path through the market? Definitely. So, so Greenlit basically,
2: uh, we provide marketing brand and behind the scenes and EPK services to companies or entertainment properties. Um, And that kind of spans a lot of it touches on a lot of things because we've worked with, you know, studios, we work with independent films, we've worked with um, larger films, and they all have to battle in the same space. Um, Knowing really what your goal is for a film, you know, generally, it's a lot of time, like, you know, very common thing is like, oh, we are going to make this film and we're going to, you know, promote it and send it to, you know, film festivals and we're going to hopefully get distribution. Well, you know, distribution companies, you know, that path is fine and it's worked, but you know, there's a lot of times where it doesn't work and, you know, you're stuck with this film and, you know, producers and directors, they, you know, have this film that they've, it's expensive and they put a lot of time in their heart and everything like that into it. And they're sitting there and, no one's buying it and you know, they're kind of, they're kind of left with it. And so kind of what like the, the issue is, is distributors and, you know, studios, they want certain things like you can't, you know, they're not going to be as heavily enticed to go pick up a film to where someone has given away all of the surprise elements, you know, on an Instagram account with, you know, 300 followers, you know, there's elements to marketing and promoting yourself a certain way to where you become more valuable. And I think that that's where, uh, Greenlit comes in and Greenlit, you know, really kind of specializes is from all the experience in leveraging brands in a, you know, in a space and across different industries and how to connect. And it all starts with a goal. It's like, what is the goal of this project? And so you know, we kind of work, we work with producers and we work with directors and we work with, you know, studios and everything like that as early as we can to get in and kind of ask these questions and understand what the, you know, the goal of the project is, you know, and, you know, there's elements that, you know, some films may use to, you know, promote or, you know, maybe you don't make that Instagram account or, you know, it's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of balances to it. And I think, that when we created Greenlit, I think that there weren't too many EPK, uh, behind the scenes,
0: you know, marketing companies for entertainment properties. What is at least ones? not for the mini, at least not for, you know, smaller or medium to large films anyways. You know, a lot of the ones that kind of existed were for a lot of studio pieces.
1: Yeah. Yeah, And, def- and that, that's point. kind of where I wanted you to go with with those medium to smaller companies or um films and I, you know what do you guys do with the epk side
2: so you know there are you know obviously over the past few years in you know, the streaming and um you know there's a lot of different mediums that opened up a lot of different pathways to uh, you know the filmmakers to to put their you know to put their work on or you know end up in front of audiences and I think that, you know, there are a number of different ways. I think that there's more, I wouldn't say renegades, but I think that there's people that understand that, you know, this media you can promote. And I think that the, um, I think that the definition of success of a film has changed. Um, I don't think that, the, you know, the, the studio, you can't compare the success of your, you know, independent film to the success of, you know, like a big box office, like they, you know, they have the promotion, they have the money to promote it. They have, I mean, the studios to promote these things are not doing anything different than you can do. They just have larger budgets, you know? And I think that that's kind of where we got into. And, you know, you, you mentioned the smaller and like the medium size, and that's kind of where we fit, you know, the studios are the studios, you know, you have a big budget studio and, you know, you're going to do it. You're going to get great behind the scenes stuff. You're going to have websites that you can go to. You're going to have the social content. You're going to have great looking behind the scenes. And, you know, we kind of said that, you know, that and those tools and that game plan is no different than if you were to brand market toothpaste, you know, and, and go to market with that and try to reach your audience and do that. So, um, you know, going back to just my experience, you know, I said that, you know, I think great opportunity to, you know, get back in the uh, film industry at a different position. So we kind of took a different angle than, you know, traditional, uh, you know, writing and going out and finding investors and stuff like that. Like we wanted to, you know, help projects become successful by you know, leveraging the, the tools that the, you know, the studios use, you know, at you know, whatever, you know, budget or, uh, range that they can.
0: So what do you feel like is probably, um, I'll let you, sorry, sorry. I got you. i beat you. i beat you to that question, Kevin. Um, what do you feel like is the most overlooked thing that filmmakers, what are filmmakers ignoring when they're, inception stage of their project and they're starting to get it off the ground, you know, from the standpoint of when they do contact us later on, what do you feel like is kind of most being forgotten? Could they be aware of now as they prepare their project?
2: That, uh, I think that a lot of them at the beginning, like before we kind of start talking with them is that they don't think that they need these things or that they think they can do them themselves like a lot of times creatives and like I've been this way myself uh you know for a long time and like early in my career I was very close to the projects I you know I wrote and that I wanted to direct and you know almost to like an insane level and you know it's like some of them don't get up you know you just kind of look at these things and you know it's like you love them and it's like the greatest thing you've ever done and you know the next one will be greater but at the end of the day, the reality is, you know, you to get this made, generally, you have to go talk to someone with money. And, you know, traditional model, it's just, you know, how it goes, you have to go find funding to fund your film and everything like that. And, you know, adding points like this to where, you know, you're gonna have great behind the scenes, You're going to have interviews with the cast crews, you know, the marketing, the the websites, uh, your your EPK, your electronic press kit, um, any of that stuff, you know, really, really, really uh, adds a boost to uh, your sales deck. You know, when you're going to either, you know, sell it for distribution or, you know, going to investors, you know, having that covered and having a strategic marketing partner for entertainment properties is, you know, really something that people like don't think about. And, you know, they think like, you know, movies are movies and people are going to see them, but, you know, I always leverage the, or say the toothpaste thing, because the toothpaste example, you know, like Colgate is you go out and you want to promote your movie and everything like that. But, you know, you can do Facebook ads or, you know, whatever, but, you know, Colgate and toothpaste is going to out you know, outbid you like they're, you know, There's so many crossover products that aren't your project that are going to, you know, are hungry to buy space in front of people's eyes. And so if you do not have, like, if your goal is not set forth and you don't have the path, like it's going to be really tough, especially in this stage. So that's kind of what, I mean, that's kind of what I think like people forget in the early stages is like you, you need some of these elements and like, you know, distribution companies and studios, like they want the content, like they want to, they need to be able to use that content to promote if they pick your project up, you know? So, you know, for them, it is added benefit. It's an added benefit because otherwise they'd have to go back and shoot these things and shoot the promo photos. And I mean, it's not cheap. So, you know, working with us to kind of plan all that stuff and make it, uh, accessible for, uh, publicity and, you know, the film in its later stages is, you know, kind of where really where our value lies.
1: With studios being able just to throw money at projects, you know, they can hire X amount of BTS shooters and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, when, when filmmakers come to you guys and say, look, um, we have a budget it's X dollars, maybe it's not the best budget or it's actually, you know, surprisingly well, how's, how's the process go with, with that filmmaker to make sure that they're maximizing every dollar? Uh,
2: we, we I mean, the first question I asked again is like, what's the goal of this project? You know, it's, a, it's a lot easier to, uh, get the scope defined when they have a plan. You know, if we know that we're going to be going for, um, you know, a film festival to promote, like, you know, we know we need, you know, strong EPK, we know we need a strong movie poster, we know, we need proper behind the scenes, everything like that. And, um, you know, a lot of the times it's talking out the logistics of, you know, well, if this happens, what do you want to do here? And, you know, price and everything like that, I mean, we're able to, we kind of go for the the budget range, I think, you know, around like the 5 million and, you know, one to 5 million Mark, that's kind of been like anything over that really. Yeah. The studio is kind of covering, they usually have an internal game plan to, you know, to market or, you know, I mean, they have the goal, you know, they have the, um, the end result already planned out. So, you know, kind of working with the filmmakers to, you know, find out what their goal is and the objective of the project, you know, really allows us to scope it. And, you know, it's not, you know, we're, we've all been on set and we all know how the process works. So, you know, it's, it's pretty seamless getting our crew uh, in there and getting what we need. And, you know, just again, knowing the goals and knowing what uh, they want to do with their film is, you know, the, the first and,
0: first question asked and I continue to ask it all the time. Once it comes time to like, you know, cause when you talk a lot of times, when we talk with um, filmmakers and we talk about BTS and on set and everything, you know, they're, especially if they're a little bit more green, they're not always aware kind of what's involved. So like explain the process of getting a BTS unit on set and, you know, not just for B-roll and photography, but for also interviews. And, you know, at the same time, maybe doing um, publicity photography and poster photography and all that. And just kind of explain, like, how does the planning and execution of that goes? And is it done congruently while on set? Is it done separate? Like, or maybe both kind of explain that process for someone that's kind of wondering, like, well, how do we integrate a BTS unit to our set? How will that work out? Um, You know, because... Uh, if you've never done it before, it could be, it could feel like a daunting task. No, definitely. Definitely.
2: Um, you know, we work with, you know, producers, the production managers, everyone on set. Um, basically like at the beginning, you know, we find out what the goal is. We kind of define what that'll define what elements we need to capture. And we look at, you know, the schedule, um, again, like I kind of referenced earlier, it's, you know, it's not cheap and it's not, easy to bring people in for an, you know, an extra day or later on down the road to do poster shots or, you know, BTS interviews or anything like that, generally talent and, you know, crew and everything like that are off to their next project. So we balance, you know, with the, uh, we balance with the production on scheduling and, you know, getting the interviews and the media and the content and, um, you know, really try to work with what they have. So, it's almost a, I mean, it's almost like a, a film within a film, you know, you have your elements, you have your story that you want to tell, and you know, you kind of have to work, you know, within the elements of another set of elements. So it's, it's finding that balance, you know, what elements you need once you define the goal and then, you know, work with the production team to kind of set aside time. And, you know, we have, you know, there's multiple people in there. It's not just kind of bringing in one person, you know, we have, film crews and we have you know uh photographers and you know media media guys and everything like that like you know collecting footage and you know sending out photos you know as as needed to you know studios and the production and everything like that for you know for work on epk so again it's kind of it's kind of that dance within a dance
1: with with the shift um i mean there's, there's been a very monumental shift to video on demand. How is Greenlit adjusting to that? Or have you guys kind of already been ahead of the game with knowing that video on demand is just growing?
2: Yeah, I mean, again, video on demand and you know, a lot of these streaming services have just really opened up the opportunity for you know, more content. You know, the industry is thirsty for good content. You know, any time that they can get a, you know, quality film that, you know, tells a great story that hasn't been, the ending hasn't been already revealed on, you know, social media or like crew page or any of that stuff, you know, they're all about, you know, there's obviously certain elements that they look for, you know, quality talent, uh, everything, you know, elements of that can excel, et cetera, et cetera, you know, Um, you know, we kind of stay on top of that to you know really see you know what elements you pull from and you know video on demand specifically still wants add-on content it still wants added on value the featurettes the behind the scenes um you know anything that they can continually promote or you know you've seen this stuff on you know iTunes where it's you know you buy 3.99 for a movie but then you get you know five behind the scenes featurettes on top of that and i think that you know, that stuff that, you know, used to come packaged in a DVD that, you know, a lot of people overlooked that, you know, people liked, um, I think it's still, you know, it's still really, really valuable. I and mean, there's a lot of avenues for that media to grow and promote, um, you know, on YouTube, on, you know, just social media, the whole, the whole deal. So I, it's, you know, we enjoy it because it's more, it's, more opportunity for better content to be created.
0: So where do you think, you know, with the VOD stuff, where do you think that this, is there any new course, like in the future, any major changes? How do you feel like with the current COVID-19 climate and possibly theaters dropping out? Do you feel like the marketing and advertising game for movies will change at all? Or do you feel it will just be sort of a different version of what we're currently doing with the current climate that we're in with COVID and, you know, things changing constantly with theaters and, you know, the war now between universal and theaters, and you're talking about day on day release and maybe will theaters still exist in a few years, you know, we've been hearing this for a while, but it feels like this is definitely, you know, taking us further down that rabbit hole. How do you feel like, the marketing and advertising game for movies will change. Um, And do you feel like it'll be a drastic change or do you feel like it'll just be what we're currently doing, but with some slight shifts? You know,
2: I have a couple thoughts on this because, you know, as of right now, like in COVID, you know, and now everyone's home, obviously the, number of you know minutes watched for you know content across streaming and everything like that i'm sure is way up over the average but um you know i don't think it's going to change like people are going to want good content people like what they like you know it doesn't matter if it's in a theater it doesn't matter if it's online it doesn't matter any which way um you know people are going to studios and everyone with their films and their marketing, it's like they're smart. I mean, they know how to leverage the tools to, uh, you know, get in front of people on social networks, on, you know, Google, on, you know, out in, uh, you know, traditional, you know, print markets, everything like that. I think it's just going to be, the the landscape isn't going to change. It's just going to continue to, you know, people are fighting for that audience space. And I think people, again, like you, you have to be able to segment to your audience. You know, I think the days of like, you know, only a few projects can go and promote to the masses, you know, from budget to everything like that, you know, blockbusters, the whole deal, but, you know, really again, kind of defining the success of a film and how, you want to be seen or what the end goal of it is, you know, you're able to, you know, promote a path. And I think a lot of smart content creators, you know, are figuring that out now. And so, you know, we're working with some, you know, working with some smart people to, you know, take their own path and get there. And they're like, Hey, you know, we want to, you know, go specifically to this, you know, streaming service because, you know, for whatever reason, you know, back end or uh, w- however the deal works out. But I think really at the end of the day, it's just going to become a harder space to promote yourself in because there are so many different, you know, companies and products and everything like that vying for the same space. It's not, you know, there's no, there's no just dedicated film marketing space and like marketing time that, you know, people can go to, like, obviously, you know, you can go on Netflix and be, you know, the promoted, you know, project of the day. And some of those things will work to push traffic and everything like that. But that's all, I mean, that's all marketing that's, you know, prearranged in the deals. So
1: with, with VOD happening, just at an an unprecedented alarming rate and movie theaters just, can't play movies right now um when this all opens up do you think that there's going to be just a boom of movie theaters because i mean me personally and I, and josh and i've talked about this on past episodes we we love the movie theater experience just being able to sit there immerse no distractions and enjoy a film right now films can be watched for a few dollars on um on whatever platform people have um yes, there's the whole AMC universal debacle going on, but do you think that movie theaters will almost inadvertently see a boom after this and then a drop off back into VOD? I kind of want to hear your take on that.
2: I also love the movie theater experience. Um, you know, being able to go there, you know, grabbing the largest bucket of popcorn I can. Oh and- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think where I think that's going, I think that, yeah, you will see that initial boom, but I think that they're going to kind of come into the same, you know, they're kind of falling victim to the same, you know, uh, same issues that the kind of brick and mortar stores just in general have. It's just online convenience. It's online, uh, um, you know, order and get it shipped and ease and everything like that. Um, I don't think... I don't think that movie theaters will ever go away, but I do think that like the, what was it? The movie pass that happened last year. I thought that that, you know, was a great idea. You know, you pay a certain amount and you can go for as long, you know, you can go see as many movies as you want. I thought that that was, you know, going to be the way of the future, you know? And like, you know, I get the, I get the deal that, you know, you have to pay for the ticket and it's expensive to get those films sent to you and, you know, everything like that. But, you know, I think that you kind of have to mold yourself a little bit to kind of what the consumers want a little bit. And I think that, you know, if it's ease of watching it in the theater or, you know, being able to do like that all in one, you know, go as many times as you want past. I think, you know, people will appreciate that or have, you know, have a couple of different routes, but I don't ever see the movie theater going away. I mean, there's nothing like, you know, going there and watching, you know, something that deserves to be on the big screen, you know. On the big screen. Well, they've already made changes yeah,
1: they, throughout the year because of, I beat you to that one, Josh. Um, yeah, so yeah, you did. Karma. <laughs> I knew, I knew you were coming in hot, so that's why I had to beat you. <laughs> um, I mean, you've already seen that with movie theaters, doing the whole dinner in a movie and having a bar inside. I mean, um, yeah. one of, one of our, my wife and I's favorite theaters to go to, if not our favorite is a Cobb theater, because we can, we can get a drink at the bar well beforehand, order food, go sit down, Eat during the previews, enjoy all that, get another beer right before the movie, and next thing you know, we're happy as can be, and we've literally done the dinner and a movie in a incredibly convenient manner. And especially with you know us having kids, you know, just hand them off to grandma and grandpa and say we'll be back later. <laughs> so uh, I think that movie theaters are just going to have to make another shift, but they've already started to make shifts throughout the years, um, inadvertently preparing for this.
2: Yeah. I think, I think you're spot on, you know, and that's kind of adjusting to again, kind of what the consumer wants. And it's, you know, it's not just going, let's go see a movie. It's like, let's yeah, go have dinner and a drink and, you know, see a movie and everything like that. And yeah, I, I, you know, those theaters keep popping up too, um, which, you know, again, is great. You know, we, we do the same thing. We have a movie theater in our town that uh, recently opened last year and yeah, they have a little cocktail bar inside and you know, you can, grab a drink and, you know, take it in. And it's, you know, not the traditional row, row, row of seats, you know, it's they adjusted the seats to make them a little bit more comfortable and lounge. And yeah, it's good. I mean, it's, it's, it's packed up pretty, you know, for, for the most part, I see, you know, lines and everything like that. And just like, so, you know, yeah, the two screen, three screen, little small, you know, theater houses. I think those, you know,
0: are they're kind of like the craft breweries of, you know, film, you know? Yeah. I mean, I definitely agree that the innovation is going to be where the, the theaters live and die going forward from here. I feel like, um, as far as what they do with their business model inside of the theater and around it. I think what's really interesting is that during this time of COVID that drive-in theaters have boomed back. Um, which is something I never thought I would say. Um, So I don't really know what the future holds, but I think it's going to be very interesting for, you know, first run theatrical theater. It's going to be a kind of new space. Um, One question I have, Stu, is uh, data. I feel like something that's really overlooked in, in our business is data. Obviously, the studios do it really well. They flex their data muscles, you know, all over the place. They they pull data, you know, they're able to they know where their audiences live. They know that a horror film may do better in Kansas than it does in Oklahoma, you know, or that, that an action movie does better in Florida than, you know, California or something like that. Um, just throwing out genera- gener- generalities right now. Um, but they have the data. They know who their markets are. They know you know where the film should live. Um, does Greenlit do anything with data? How is data important to, you know, smaller projects? Can they actually benefit from it? And what goes into something like create, you know, gathering that sort of data? Because when you hear the studios talk about it, you know, it's just kind of like, it's just kind of passed over. So what's involved in kind of gathering those numbers? Is it exit? Is it exit polling from the theaters? You know, what, what what all what all goes into it? Uh, The data,
2: the data talk. It's one of my favorite ones. And I think it's like you said, it's, it's very overlooked. And, you know, once we start kind of talking about, you know, Greenlit and how uh, it leverages data and how we offer it to production, you know, studios and productions, um, you know, again, that's kind of where the value, that's really where the value lies. And, Yeah. I mean, so kind of the history of, you know, obviously online data and and Stu's version is, uh, you know, obviously you have your audience and, you know, who am I, who is my audience, you know, online and how do I get them and what do they look like and what am I going to have to pay to put my message uh, in front of them? So, you know, we've been working or just, you know, on my marketing ventures for years and years and years in that's in that digital space, tracking and segmenting and looking at, you know, leveraging data, databases, uh, you know, we customer lists to online audiences, everything like that, you know, tracking all that, and, you know, tracking online and, you know, through different points of, you know, being able to track over the years, you know, obviously, Google and Facebook, and, you know, a lot of these large companies have, so much data that you can pull from. So kind of what we did and what TRA does is we built APIs that kind of get into these companies, you know, having the data conversation, you know, with some of the smaller, um, productions and, you know, early on in the stage and how you can really leverage data, you know, obviously all these huge companies, you know, the Googles, the Facebooks, um, you know, they have, so much data on everyone they know interests you know using their ai that they can predict you know certain life events kind of what people are doing what people want to do um you know that's kind of the you know the digital ad game and then you know marketers leverage and uh take what the, those companies offer in terms of uh segmentation and you know try to do all that and kind of what what we've done is we've kind of taken it to the next step. We've, you know, at Tra, we've built APIs that you know basically take as much info as we can from from these companies. And what we're able to do is, depending on the type of movie and the type of the goal and um, kind of what you want to do in the end goal, you know, we offer opportunities to you know, go after and promote using very, very, very segmented slices of data, you know, and audience metrics, you know, from these APIs. So, you know, going to promote, you know, a film at a film festival, you know, early on, you know, there's definitely a benefit in, you know, planning a, you know, online promotional marketing campaign, you know, that, you know, attracts film festival or film festival folk, you know, goers, you know, kind of as they go to, you know, go see your film or, you know, you can target companies or interests or, you know, age, obviously, you know, likes everything like that. There's, when you kind of wake up or you kind of, we have this conversation with, uh, you know, with people and, you know, you kind of wake up and you kind of see the possibilities and, you know, being able to leverage that data that everyone has collected over the years, because every company has data that they can leverage, you know, studios have their email lists and they have their social networks and everything like that. They use all those data points to drop down the costs when they go to market. You know, oh, here's my horror film audience that, you know, has loved this. And, you know, I have the plan down to where I can drop my promotional budget or, you know, maximize my promotional budget to, you know, reach the goal for this project you know, that we have set forward. And a lot of smaller films, you know, you can do the same thing. You know, you can leverage the tools the studios use, you can identify the data. And, you know, we work with them to kind of create that
0: marketing and promotional plan and leverage data. All right. So let's, uh, let's say going forward, anything new kind of in the you know, marketing for entertainment space that you see coming up or um, anything that interests you right now just in the industry as a whole? You know, I think that
2: if you watch, like I've been watching Westworld. Uh, It's one of my, I'm just like in that world, I think HBO does a great job on all that kind of stuff. But if you watch the streaming, in the beginning, they have, you know, a preview or two. You know, you're starting to see the format. You're starting to see the full timeline of the content of, you know, kind of like a traditional theater uh, on streaming now. It's like, you know, you click episode 10 and it's, you know, two previews for shows. and then it's feature. And then you have great behind the scenes featurettes. You know, you have your video EPKs and you have your behind the scenes stuff. They talk about the episodes and they talk about the filmmakers and they have, you know, interviews for, uh, you know, the cast and the crews and everything like that. So I think, I really honestly think like you're, you know, it's right in front of our face for filmmakers that like they do all these companies and the audiences, they want that kind of stuff. They want more of what they like.
1: Yeah. So, I've been noticing yeah, that as well. I, we, we just finished Shit's Creek and they, the last like seven episodes had all sorts of behind the scenes content at the post credit, portion and then the second to last episode was actually a um a be like a full behind the scenes episode of the making of the last season leading up to the finale and it was great to watch and it was it actually added another level of humor to the to the show
2: Definitely. And I think that, the, and I think that that's where like, you're starting to see like how they're really leveraging, you know, these elements, the EPK elements, the behind the scenes stuff and everything like that to, you know, they really see value in it. And literally if they're putting it in, you know, after every episode and everything like that, like, you know, people are going to watch it. I mean, you know, it's not that much, you know, it's not a commitment. It's not like watching like a, a whole nother episode or watching like a two hour, you know, behind the scenes, which I, I do appreciate. And, You know, all that goes into behind the scenes work is, um, I mean, it's gnarly, you know, our guys and, you know, our team work extremely hard or extremely diligent to go through and make sure they capture everything. Not only are we capturing, you know, we're basically making a movie of the movie. So, you know, it's, it's always a cool element on that. Um, yeah you know kind of going back again you know hbo's and you know the amazons and all these you know the video on demand stuff
0: are showcasing that you know they do value that content and they want well even disney plus now has the gallery for the mandalorian series to where all the directors are roundtable talking they're cutting back and forth between you know what they're talking about and singular you know interviews along with you know b-roll of you know um, BTS stuff and everything. So, you know, and that's its own, um, its own show basically being marketed by, you know, Disney plus. So, you know, I feel like brand, when you talk about that stuff, brand has a lot to do with it too, because that material, that content is all just extensions of those brands. And it just, it just services to feed, audience of that brand and grow that universe and, you know, keep people invested and on that platform. That's, that's the other thing is keeping people on the platform, you know, because, um, walking dead had an after show, um, that they had um, Chris Hardwick and, you know, game of Thrones did an after show. And I've started seeing, you know, my wife watches, um, the Josh Gates expedition unknown on discovery and he started having an after show. And so this is a growing market now after shows and you know conversations with the filmmakers where there's a shared and additional content um, is you know a really interesting and, and new piece um, that you know every property should either be taking advantage of or doing and I, I think it's a it's a you know been done before with the DVD stuff you know the special features but it's a it's now kind of really hitting its full stride because you know, it's not just slapped in onto an additional disc and slapped into the box and maybe it gets washed. Now it's like really being marketed and presented as its own thing. They're being named, they're being marketed, you know, there's dollars spent on it. And so it's a whole new kind of Avenue to the, uh, to the marketing side of, of, um, content and material.
1: I'll add that yeah. I think consumers are going to, um, start viewing BTS added content, after show content, all all of this that we're talking about as another layer of quality to the pro, to the final product. I mean, personally on our side with TSM, we notice that some of the best engaged content is BTS content leading mm. into the final Release of a of a of a still or a video or whatever, um, and even even our clients love seeing the BTS because if they view it as, wow, that was, that was leading into the quality of what the final deliverables, and I think just general consumers are going to start seeing that as well. If they see BTS content, whether that's photos or video or after show content, they're going to inadvertently see the final product that maybe they haven't seen yet as higher production value which will cause them to thus watch it right
2: yeah and i think you know it definitely uh again like exactly what you're saying like you know if you're have a project and you're looking for ways to you know increase the value to you know sell your film or promote your film or anything like that yeah, I mean, quality bts like it's there and being smart in your bts is even better because you know a lot of the times it's you know we talk with you know oh are we going to do behind the scenes content uh you know with this promotional products in here uh you know there's uh, a lot of audience overlaps for elements of a project like you know people may just be a film of the or a fan of the star or people may like the you know people want to know what system you edited on. People want to know they, they like seeing behind the curtains. There's a whole game plan and a whole plethora of angles and everything like that, that you can create, you know, good value, valuable marketing material, you know, that can be let leveraged later on. So i mean, I like coming up with that because essentially you're built, you know, you're building a marketing plan, you know, with before you know it, you know, you've kind of had like a, a full on, it's like, all right, we're going to have five interviews, you know, with all of our stars, the keys we're going to edit the, ed, you know, talk to the editor. I mean, you can, there's no limit to what you can do and kind of expand your world. And you, like you said, audiences love that. And it's becoming the norm, you know, on the, you know, the full, the full track of Westworld, you know, it's just, it's right there at the end, the EPK, like what Greenlit does right there, you know, on the main track, it's not an extra feature. It's, you know, baked into the, you know, the timeline edit or the render, you know?
0: Yeah. So Stu, um, tell people, you know, if they want to get in touch with Greenlit, where can they go? Or if they want to get in touch with you directly, you know, where can they go to get more information and maybe reach you on the social medias? Uh, yeah, you can,
2: uh, visit greenlit entertainment.com. Uh, you can also go to greenlit epk.com, which just goes to greenlit entertainment.com, but it's a little bit shorter on the, on the typing. Um, you know, we're on social media, everything like that. Um, you know, any questions or, you know, feedback or, you know, kind of just open up conversation. You know, you can, uh, visit us there and shoot us a message. And yeah, I mean, we, this is what I love to do and you know what we love to do. And it has kind of been, it's been awesome to, you know, really leverage the experience from what a while ago, you know, people thought was so far off, like, Oh, you're in marketing, you're not in film, but they're so intertwined these days that, you know, it's, it, it's a really cool position to be in. And it's a, you know, the company's evolving, it's growing, you know, we're expanding our East West coast, um, you know, New York, LA, Florida, Louisiana, Atlanta. It's like, it's cool. And yeah, any questions and more information, on some of our work, um, you know, we've recently launched a new website. So greenlandentertainment.com go check it out and yeah, reach out to
0: there.
1: Hey man, appreciate the time, and um, definitely look forward to um, seeing what Greenlit does throughout the years. Kevin, it's the end of the podcast. Josh, that means that everybody needs to stop what they're doing, write us a review, and subscribe for future episodes. Yeah, I mean, it would really help us out a lot. It helps us
0: kind of get to the, you know, new and noteworthy section, top of the charts. Help us get new people. New, interesting, and lovely film people on this podcast.
1: Along with that, you can follow us on Instagram at FGI Podcast. And you can also check out more episodes and more information, more bios and information for all of our speakers at FGI Podcast.com.
0: This podcast was also recorded live in front of a studio audience. And we flew everyone out on Delta Airlines. No, but um, it was recorded live at Two Stories Media Studios, and it's presented by Greenland Entertainment and Two Stories Media.